Yeah, good morning. Hey, good to see you. Good to be together uh, with you uh, this morning. Really excited you're here. We're in week number two. The series that we're calling New You. It's based on these nine qualities called the Fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians chapter 5. If you were here last weekend, I gave a, an overview of the series. If you missed it, you can go to our website, our mobile app, and uh, watch that. And now um, we begin this weekend going through each of these fruit uh, one at a time. And today we begin with the only four-letter uh, fruit, the only uh, four-letter word in the list of the fruit. Now, when you hear that phrase, four-letter word, yeah, you probably think of like a harsh word, right? You know, a bad word, uh, a powerful uh, word. I can remember back uh, one of the first times I ever uh, let a four-letter word slip out of my mouth. It's a long time ago. I was, I don't know, maybe six or seven years old. I'm at my, 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 friend, my friend Colin's house. My parents left me there for, for the evening. And I don't know, maybe I was just trying to be cool. And uh, so I let a four-letter word uh, fly, uh, the one that starts with S and ends with uh, T. But um, Colin's mom didn't think it was very cool, okay. And this is a long time ago. This is back when it was okay for your, for your uh, friend's mom to discipline you. And she did. Yeah, she said, uh, remember what she said. She said, uh, we don't talk that way in our house. And Ben, I'm going to have to punish you by washing your mouth out with soap. Anybody, anybody here ever get your mouth washed out? So, yeah, you don't forget that. That burns. I can still feel it. I can still taste it, right? That was like child abuse. Um, maybe you can remember a time when you let a four-letter word slip out. You know, it's, it's easy to do. You know, you hit your thumb with the hammer. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You walk into the kitchen and there's chocolate pudding everywhere. You drop your iPhone in the toilet, you know. And just out of, out of nowhere, you know, this four-letter word. Uh, rises up, raises up, right? But does it really? Does it really come from nowhere? You know, something I've learned about myself, I'm kind of like a tube of toothpaste, and whatever's on the inside just comes out when the squeeze is on. Yeah, Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 6. He said, he said for the mouth speaks what the heart is, is, is full of. Uh, Jesus says, problem's not my mouth, okay? Problem is my heart. And if your heart is full of anger... Anxiety, hatred, bitterness, and pride. When something negative happens, when you get uh, triggered, four-letter words, harsh words, cutting sarcastic mouth, or words fly out, of, fly out of your mouth and our relationships suffer and our hearts uh, shrink. My point is that four-letter words, they actually come from deep within us. Well, today I want to talk about a positive four-letter word. I want to talk about the most powerful four-letter word. Because when this four-letter fruit begins to grow and develop inside you and me, it'll change the way that we relate to each other. It'll change the way that we react and the way that we see our, our lives. Now, if you haven't figured it out already, uh, the only four-letter fruit, four fruit is uh, love uh, right here. This is such a great list. Let's go ahead. Read, let's read this out loud together on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, now, that's a great list of qualities. But I'm telling you, this one right here, when it, when, when, when it really gets in you and me, I mean really gets in us, it changes everything. And that's why I don't think it's a coincidence that love is the first fruit listed. I don't think Paul just happened to write love first there. Love is the lead fruit 
Love is the fountain fruit out of which all the other fruit flow from. And we can't really develop the other eight fruit without love. In fact, the Bible teaches that love is the single greatest quality that you and I can possess. Jesus said, our biggest responsibility, our number one goal in life is to love God wholeheartedly and to love other people deeply. Take a look at what the Apostle Paul says here in, in 1 Corinthians 14.1. Let love be your highest goal. In fact, say this one out loud with me. Ready? Let love be your highest goal. That's today's message in one sentence right there. Let love be your highest goal in your life, in your family, in your relationships, in a broken and divided world. Let love be your highest goal. Apostle Paul also wrote a, a famous chapter that we call the love uh, chapter. And it gets read often at weddings. It's 1 Corinthians 13. But you know what? Paul didn't actually write this for weddings. I mean, that's a great way to use it. But he wrote this for all of us. Here's what he says. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, if I have speaking abilities that can mesmerize audiences. You know, I can hold hundreds of people with my speaking abilities, but I don't have love. I'm just an unpleasant noise. And then he continues in the next verse. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. You know, if I'm scary smart, I got this high IQ. You know, I'm, I graduate magna cum laude. I have so many degrees after my name. They call me the thermometer, okay? But I don't have love, and I do all that, I'm nothing. And then he says, if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. He says, all the spiritual convictions in the world don't even matter. If I don't have love, they're useless. He continues in the next verse, and he says, if I give everything that I own to the poor. I mean, I give everything away. I give an extravagant amount of money to important causes, to meet important needs. But if I do it out of pressure or obligation or guilt or prestige, and even, even if I go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't have love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Paul says I can have mesmerizing speaking abilities. I can have the faith of a miracle worker. I can have the, the, the generosity of a philanthropist and the knowledge of a genius. I can have the dedication of a martyr burned at the stake for telling other people about Jesus. But if I don't have love, it all adds up to one big fat zero. Let love be your highest goal. Yet to be honest with you, um, Sometimes I don't love very well. I don't know about you, but sometimes love's not my highest goal. And so today's message is, is, is very challenging for me, and maybe it'll be challenging for you. In fact, it occurred to me as I was working on this that this is probably the most important message this year for me. And it occurred to me that if I could only give one message, if I had to pick one message for you to hear. Now, don't misunderstand me. Okay, I want you to hear all of them. You know, I want you to be here um, every uh, weekend. But if I had to pick one, this is it. Because love is the most important quality you, can I, uh, you, can, you and I can and develop. So, so we need to talk about love. Uh, but we also need to know how we're doing. And so I want to share with you a simple love meter test that the Bible gives us where we can kind of gauge how we're, how we're doing. It's, it's real easy. It's just five words. 
Five words the Bible gives us to help you get a meter reading on how well you're doing when it comes to loving your spouse and your kids and your parents and your coworkers and your boss and your neighbors and the people that you go to school with and, and so on. So let's take a look at this. Here it is. Five words right here. Consider others better than yourselves. Consider others better than yourselves. Now, I already said, you know, I don't do very well sometimes with the uh, love meter here. How do you do? Okay, if, if you're honest, I mean, do you always tend to consider others better than yourselves? Jesus did, which is incredible because he was, he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The only perfect person to ever walk the face of the earth. But he humbled himself every day taking the position of a servant. He always considered others better than himself. That's why he would constantly get in trouble with the religious leaders because he would hang out with notorious sinners. Not, not, not even sinners. The Bible refers to them as notorious sinners. And he would love them and he would show respect and love for prostitutes who only knew what it was to be wanted for a few minutes in the, in the night and then cast away in the daytime. And in the midst of a busy schedule, he would say to his disciples, let those children come to me. They're not, they're not a problem. They're not an interruption. They're an opportunity to love. Every day of his life, Jesus considered others better than himself. You know what, there, there are some people that I would have no trouble considering better than myself. Uh, let's say that a, uh, a celebrity, okay, a real bona fide VIP celebrity showed up at my house for dinner one night, okay? I would have no trouble treating, treating them better uh, as more important than uh, myself. For example, let's say that uh, LeBron James, yeah, King James. I'm not even a Cavaliers fan, but if King James showed up at my house one night for, for, for dinner, I'm going to be out there, you know, I'm going to open the car door. I'm going to open the front door for him. I'm going to open closet doors. I'm going to open bathroom doors for him. And uh, he's going to sit at the head of the table, and I'm going to make sure that his glass uh, stays full and, and things like that. And if he says something that's even borderline funny, I'm going to be like, <laughs> And when he's ready to go, I'm going to walk him out to his car, close the door for him. I'm going to stand there, I'm going to wave goodbye as his limo leaves for the uh, airport. I wouldn't have any trouble treating LeBron James better than myself. But when I'm asked to treat normal people better than my, myself, the clerk at the convenience store, better than myself, the food server who forgot my beverage, better than myself, my neighbor whose dog does awful things on my front lawn, better than my, myself. I don't do very well. I, I, I don't do very good at all. Let's imagine another scenario, okay? Put yourself in this scenario. Imagine you're driving yourself to church on the weekend. You're driving to River Glen and uh, you're running a little late, okay? And it's raining buckets, okay? You're running late, it's raining buckets. And you get here and the parking lot is full, okay? And you're driving around. But it's like a miracle. You see a spot open up by, by the door. It's like God's blessing you for coming to worship him. So you head over toward that parking place. But right before you get there, somebody else coming from the opposite direction slips into that parking spot. And they're not just driving any car. They're driving a Corvette, okay? Now, how likely are you uh, to say in your heart to the other driver at that moment, go ahead, I want you to have this parking place. 
Yeah, uh, this is a gift from my heart uh, to yours. I will walk miles in the rain to go to church because I consider you better than myself. How many of us would cheerfully give up that parking spot to that other person? Now, I've seen how some of you drive in the uh, parking lot. That'd be a pretty small list, okay? This test in Philippians, this five-word test, pretty tough, isn't it? But on the cross, on Good Friday, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the most important person in the world, demonstrated that true love considers others better than yourselves. True love says treat common people, treat spouses, treat sons, treat daughters, treat employees, treat other races, treat Republicans, treat Democrats, treat other religions, treat everybody better than yourself. Treat them like a VIP because that's how God treats every single person. Now, if, if we're first struggling in love, if, if we're not doing so well um, on, the, on the love meter, I've often found in my life that it helps me to identify my problem points. And so I want to just go ahead and share with you some of the challenge points, some of the problem points in my life that are, are usually the, the reason why I'm not loving the way that I should. Maybe this will be helpful to you. Sometimes it's just because I'm just going too fast. I'm running too fast. When I struggle to love my wife, to love my kids, to love the people that I, that I work with, it's often because I'm just running too fast. I'm running on fumes and I'm lacking energy. Several years ago, somebody started attending River Glen and they were really excited about the church and they emailed me and, and told me about how God's using this church and and working in their life. And I love to, to receive these kinds of uh, emails. But then they made a comment about me. And I think they were trying to be funny. They put, you know, LOL, laugh out loud after this comment. Here's what they said. They said, uh, Ben, when I first met you, I sensed you were in a hurry. Now that I've gotten to know you, I know that you're always in a hurry. LOL, laugh out loud. Yeah, I didn't laugh. I didn't think that was funny because it was true. Yeah. Uh, something I've discovered about myself is the faster I move and the more things I try to cram into my schedule, the less time, the less energy that I have to really love other people. And this is a challenge point for me. This is a growth area for me. And I think this is why Jesus set an example for us. Think about this. Jesus had the most important mission in the world, but he was never in a hurry. He always took time for rest and replenishment. Sometimes Jesus would get in a boat, escape from the crowd, go to the other side to regain energy. Sometimes you'd find Jesus sleeping in the bottom of the uh, boat. Guys, if you've ever needed justification uh, to, to get a boat, uh, there it is right there in the scripture for you. You know, just, just tell her, honey, I want to be more like Jesus. I need a boat, right? Jesus knew that we need consistent times of replenishment in our lives. That's why God built replenishment right into creation week. God worked hard for the first six days. And then on the seventh day, he created something else. A day of renewal, a day of restoration, a day of, of rest. Because sometimes, you know what the most spiritual thing you can do is? Is rest. Replenish your emotions. Go to bed earlier. Eat healthier. Take breaks in your schedule. Use every single vacation day and holiday that you get. And get in environments like this on a weekly basis. Be committed because when we gather together, God uses these times 
to replenish your soul. Because it takes every ounce of our energy to love others deeply. And if you're like me, another reason, another reason why uh, sometimes I struggle to love is because I'm holding on to the past. It's hard to love somebody in the present who has hurt you and wounded you in the past. It's hard to develop and grow this fruit of love. When you carry pain, you carry hurt and guilt from the past. And yet the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. I want to show you a powerful story that I'm praying will inspire you to practice letting go of the past. This is from the CBS Evening News. Take a look. It all went down on this block in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Back in 05, Jamel McGee says he was minding his own business when a police officer accused him of and arrested him for dealing drugs. You saying the officer made it up? Yeah, it was all made up. Of course, a lot of accused men make that claim, but not many arresting officers agree. So you phonied the report? I did. I, I falsified the report. This is former Benton Harbor police officer Andrew Collins. Were you just trying to chalk up an arrest? Well, basically, the start of that day, I was going to make sure I had another drug arrest. And in the end, you put an innocent guy in jail? Correct. Yeah. You lost everything. I lost everything. My only goal was to seek him when I got home and to hurt him. Really? That was my goal. Eventually, that crooked cop was caught, served a year and a half for falsifying many police reports, planting drugs and stealing. Of course, Jamal was exonerated, but he still spent four years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Today, both men are back here in Benton Harbor, which is a small town, maybe a little too small. Hey, guys, thank you. Last year, by sheer coincidence, they both ended up at Mosaic, a faith-based employment agency where they now work side by side in the same cafe. Oh, excuse me. And it was in these cramped quarters that the bad cop and the wrongfully accused had no choice but to have it out. And I said, honestly, I have no explanation. All I can do is say I'm sorry. And Jamel says that was all it took. That was pretty much what I needed to hear. Today, they're not only cordial. Saturday, we went to the trampoline park. They're friends. Uh, you know, we talk about life. Such close friends. Not long ago, Jamel actually told Andrew he loved him. And I just started weeping because he doesn't owe me that. Uh, he, I don't deserve that, you know? Did you forgive for his sake or for yours? No, for our sake. Not just us, for our sake. Jamel went on to tell me about his Christian faith and his hope for a kinder <laughs> mankind. He wants to be an example. So now he and Andrew give speeches together about the importance of forgiveness and redemption. Grab this one, set it over there. And clearly, if these two guys from the coffee shop can set aside their bitter grounds, what's our excuse? Steve Hartman, on the road, in Benton Harbor, Michigan. That's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. You say, how can a guy who's wrongfully accused and put in prison for four years for a crime that he didn't commit say, I love you to the guy who put him there? It, it, did you hear the explanation? He said it's because of his Christian faith. It's because he has experienced God's forgiveness that he didn't deserve. 
and he extends it to others. Listen, some of you that are holding on to uh, the past, you've really got two options. I mean, you can just keep holding on to it and grow, and grow, and grow bitter and resentful and be filled with hatred, and it's just going to destroy you. Or you can, in honor of the God who forgives you through his son, Jesus Christ, you can choose to let it go. I've heard it said that there are 12 words that can heal any relationship. You know what they are? I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. It will change the relationship. Now, here's something else that I've learned about myself. I struggle to love when I'm using the wrong power. I know the Bible talks about two different kinds of love very clearly. One is just ordinary, everyday, human kind of love. But the second kind of love is this supernatural love that we're talking about, this fruit of love that comes from the Holy Spirit in our lives, making us uh, new. Now, the human kind of love is very conditional. I'll love you if I can get something back from you. I'll love you as long as you make me feel good, uh, as long as you meet my needs. But the, the supernatural love uh, expects nothing in return. This supernatural fruit of love is much stronger and deeper and a more giving kind of uh, love. You know, this supernatural love kind of reminds me of a, uh, a golf club. A golf swing. Now, I don't play golf very much. I do love to play miniature golf. But uh, I know enough about golf to know that there are two parts to the uh, swing, right? Okay? There's the, there's the back swing. That's the first part. And then there's the follow-through, okay? And the back swing is really important because that's where you get the power to follow through and hit the ball. I mean, if there's no back swing, there's not going to be much power. Okay, and the ball's not going to go very far. What I want you to do, I want you to think about the backswing, the backswing as representing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Look at this verse that Paul wrote. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. That's the backswing. That, 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 that's the Holy Spirit giving us the energy and the power to follow through and hit the ball and really love other people. And this isn't a one-time event. This is a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. But you know what we do sometimes in church? Sometimes we forget about the backswing, okay? And we say, just, you know, just go out there and love better. Love your spouse. Do a better job loving your kids. And the strategy is try harder. Push yourself uh, better. But, you know, we haven't, if, but we haven't gotten filled up with the Holy Spirit. There's no, there's no backswing, and so it's kind of like hitting a golf ball like that. There's no power. It's not going to go very far. We're using the wrong power. That's why we gather every weekend like this. And we celebrate God's love. And we sing about it. And we teach about it. And we share communion. And we gather in small groups. Because that is how we open our lives up to the power of God. That's our backswing. That's why every day I need to begin my day just spending some time with God, reflecting on his word, celebrating his love, because I need a backswing. And days when I don't do that, I can feel the difference. I don't, I don't hit the ball very well. Maybe some of us, maybe what we need to do is work on, our, work on our backswing. But something else I've learned about myself, and this one is true of me too often, sometimes I struggle to love because I'm not following through. Sometimes... You know, I got the backswing down. I'm like this. I walk around like this. I'm all filled up with God's love. But I'm not following through and hitting the ball 
and actually loving other people. Sometimes as followers of Jesus in churches. Christian people walk around like this. They go to church every week. They read their Bible. They're in a small group Bible study, maybe two of them, you know, maybe three of them. They're all filled up with God's love, but they're not actually swinging the club, following through, hitting the ball, and loving other people. And deep down it's frustrating because we know that God made us uh, to hit the ball, not to walk around, you know, in a, in a backswing. The Bible actually talks about, warns us about not following through. It says, anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he's given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. In other words, don't just get filled up with God's love. Don't just have a backswing. Follow through and hit, and hit the ball and love people. And so I want to give you five ways, five simple ways to follow through and hit the, ball, hit the wall and love other people. Five ways to get God's love out of your heart into somebody else's heart. First of all, just come right out and say it. Say the three most powerful words in the English language. I love you. Those three words count the most in relationships. Those three words can change everything. And when spouses don't hear them from each other, when kids don't hear them from parents, and friends don't hear them, hearts can turn cold. I wonder... Is there somebody in your life that needs to hear you say those three words this week? Second way to hit the ball is to write it down. Is there somebody in your life who needs to read these words from you? Something cool about writing it down and, and giving that to other people is they can read it and reread it again and again. And it multiplies the love. Something that uh, uh, we do in our house, we, um, we text the numbers 143. Uh, to each other because I has one letter, love has four letters, you has three letters, and uh, 143 stands for I love you. You could text 143 uh, to someone or maybe send an email or maybe go old school and handwrite a letter. Handwrite a note. A few weeks ago somebody gave me uh, just an encouraging note, a handwritten note. And uh, that is so rare uh, these days with our technology. I think it just made it more meaningful and impactful. Who in your life needs you to write it down so that they can and read it? Third way to hit the ball and get love into someone else's heart is through touch. Jesus set the example. Jesus was a master at the art of expressing love through appropriate touch. When he would, when he would bless children, he didn't bless them from a distance. He would, he would take them and he would, and he would hold them in his arms because he knew how much that would mean. When he would heal the blind, the, the, the crippled, uh, he, would, he would touch them. Even, even people with leprosy who hadn't been touched for 20, 30, 40 uh, years uh, because Jesus knew that touch transfers massive amounts of love. Maybe it's standing close or holding hands or putting your arm around your spouse. Maybe it's sitting close to one of your kids when you read to them. Maybe it's, you know, giving a fist bump to someone who succeeds. Maybe it's putting an arm around someone who is hurting or, or giving them a hug. Touch conveys massive amounts of love. And then fourth is acts of kindness. Because love isn't passive. Love springs into action. First John 3 says, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions. Sometimes I think we hold back because we think about, you know, big acts of kindness. But more often we have the opportunity to do small acts of kindness. Listening to a neighbor who's going through a difficult time. Helping a mom with uh, two children load groceries 
into the car, getting up early and picking up a friend to drive them to the airport. Maybe you volunteer for one of the, one of the serve teams in our church that, 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 that does acts of kindness for other people. Sometimes small acts of kindness make Jesus real to other people. One more way to convey love, and that is to enter the life experiences of others. Romans 12 puts it this way. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and grieve are mourned with those who mourn. Sometimes the best way to extend love is just to jump in and, and show up and do life together with people, whether it's the rejoicing mode or the grieving mode or anything in between. I mean, it just means something, doesn't it, when, when people show up for um, a graduation or a baptism or a surgery or a wedding. They don't have to say anything profound. Just showing up and being there gets love out of your heart and into theirs. And so those are five practical ways to hit the ball and follow through and love other people. Last month, our group of uh, middle schoolers went out into the community and they practiced love all week long. I want you to watch this video and see what they did. Hey, I'm Andy, director of family life and high school pastor. And I'm Melissa, um, and I'm the director of middle school. So during the summer, we have a couple different camps for teenagers where they put into practice a lot of the things uh, that we've been talking about, including serving. And a couple years ago, we started doing uh, serve projects where the students came up with the project instead of us telling them what the project was. So this allows the students to uh, come up with their own ideas, they pray about it, they come up with it as a team, and then they go and they put it into practice. And so through these projects that the students create, uh, God is working on the hearts of the students, their minds and their actions, and the end result is really a whole bunch of people that feel loved because of what these students came up with. So this year at AMPT, our middle school camp, some of the groups came up with some really good ideas to help serve in their community. Um, one of the groups, they came up with um, this idea that they were going to write down Bible verses um, and encouraging words and they were going to tape them around the labels of water bottles and then they were walking around downtown Waukesha. It was really hot, it was really sunny and they were finding people who looked thirsty, looked in need and they were kind of handing them out, sharing these Bible verses, um, praying for them, kind of sharing the gospel. Um, another one of the projects that the students did was uh, they went to McDonald's and um, they have the small budget to do this and they, they started paying for people's food and um, that really impacted people who are coming through with lunch, not expecting this, got their meal paid for by a bunch of teenagers. And then my group actually came up with this idea of uh, going and purchasing gift cards and then walking around Waukesha um, and handing them out and explaining why we're giving them uh, these gift cards and actually invited them to our Saturday events at River Glen. And people were just blown away that the students came up with this and were this generous with their time, their effort, and uh, just their resources. My group at AMP was a bunch of sixth grade girls, and a lot of them go to Kettle Moraine Middle School, um, which is a school that one of the boys um, locally who goes there, his name is Camden. Um, at the end of the school year, he was riding his bike to school, and um, he got hit by a bus, and he was put into a medically induced coma and um, it didn't look very good and a lot of the community kind of came together in support and rallying for Camden. A lot of prayers went out here at church. We were really getting together to pray for him and 
my girls came up with this idea. They really, they love this kid. They're, you know, he's their friend and they wanted to impact him and his family as they're still going through this process of healing in the hospital. So they wanted to do a lemonade stand downtown Dowson right where this happened, um, right in front of one of the local shops. It was really awesome to see all the people from the community kind of come by. Um, the generosity of people who gave above and beyond, maybe who didn't even ask for a glass of lemonade, but just wanted to donate money for this cause, and it was really cool. They were blown away by the generosity of the community and how kind of everyone came together to support this one kid in love. At the end of the week, we gave the students a, a chance to just reflect on the week and, and talk about their favorite parts, and we actually uh, heard what they thought of their serve projects and what it meant to them. So this is what it is in their own words. I liked our serve project because we handed out gift cards to random strangers and it made me feel happy seeing other people be happy. Enjoyed painting the sign for the community garden. It really reminded me that others see me as good enough even if I don't. Uh, my favorite serving project was the lemonade for Camden because all people were super generous and kind. Those kids get it, don't they? Yeah. They get it. They hit the ball. Love God wholeheartedly. Love other people deeply. Remember, the most important quality that you can develop is love. And remember, these five ways to get love out of your heart and into somebody else's heart. And so I want to challenge you this week to do all five of these. On your way out, they're going to hand you a little card, a little business size card that lists these five ways to love. And I hope that you'll take that business card as a reminder to do all five of them this next week. Who in your life needs to hear you say it? They need you to write it down so they can read it. They need to feel it through your touch. They need to receive an act of kindness. Who in your life needs you to enter uh, their situation and do life together. Wouldn't it be great for us to be known as loving people? Wouldn't it be great for River Glen to be known as a loving church? I want to ask you to bow your head with me for a moment. I want you to know even though you're in a crowd right now, God doesn't see the crowd. God sees you and God loves you. And God knows your heart, knows your story. God knows your heartache, your fears. And he knows your mistakes where you messed up. And think about this, God went to all the trouble of sending his son to die on a cross and raise from the dead because he couldn't bear the thought of spending forever without you. And so how are you going to respond to God's love? Maybe today you're ready to receive it. Maybe you're ready to say yes to God, yes to Jesus. Maybe you're ready to come back into the arms of God. You've wandered away from him. If that's you, why don't you put your faith in him right now? Why don't you just humbly, silently pray today and say, God, I need Jesus in my life. I need your love and your grace and forgiveness. I need the payment you made on the cross for me. And I need your power to love the people in my life more deeply. If you're praying that prayer and you're wondering what's next, let us know so that we can encourage you. And as a way of showing that you're serious and you mean it, the first step Jesus asks you to take is baptism. You can fill out the card in the chair back in, in front of you and we'd be glad to arrange the baptism for you. We also have the baptism bash coming up in four weeks. Just fill out that card and you can drop it off at the connect wall. God, in honor of Jesus' sacrificial love for us, I pray that we would prioritize love as our highest goal, our, our greatest aim. 
May we see every interaction with every person this week, even our interactions as we leave here today, in hallways, in parking lots, in the lobby, as opportunities to express your love to each other. God, help us to slow down and refuel, to let go of the past that we have held on to and forgive, to be filled with your spirit for strength that can only come from you and your fruit that you produce in us, and to follow through and extend love this week. God, I thank you for your everlasting love that we can trust now and forever. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.